This is Scott Becker with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Dr. Allison Boudram. Dr. Allison's a doctor, she's a fellow, she's a pediatric physician at Atrium Health. She's a fascinating life story that she's going to share with us today and give some advice for people and more. Dr. Boudram, can you take a moment and introduce yourself? Sure. Thanks for having me, Scott. Uh, it's a real honor and a pleasure to be on. Um, so my name is Allison, and I was born and raised in the Caribbean, went to med school in the Caribbean, um, did my clinical training in New York, uh, volunteered at 9-11, subsequently completed training in Indianapolis, um, and then worked there for about 10 years. and kind of thought I needed a change of scenery and took a job here with Atrium Health. Um, and then about two years ago in 2018, August 1st, I was diagnosed with metastatic lung cancer that is now a certified 9-11 condition. Um, so the last couple of years, two years, 2020, we all feel the same about it. Um, but I've focused a lot of my efforts in advocating and raising awareness for overall wellness and well-being of medical faculty and medical learners. So that's kind of a really brief summary. And, and how do you sort of day-to-day, you've done this great job in this journey to educate people and stay positive and help. How do you do that? How do you keep yourself moving one foot in front of the other in educating and enlightening and, and keeping people so positive? I think it's uh, really hard right now. You know, I, I would love to say that it's been a easy journey for any of us in 2020, but I think if anything, the pandemic really highlights the work-life balance or lack of with medical care workers or healthcare workers. So, you know, I've had a long journey, we all do in medicine to get there and we all choose it because we want to help other people. And, uh, you know, when I was in my 20s and I walked on to 9-11 to volunteer as a third year med student, never in my mind did I think you know, fast forward 20 plus years later that I would have metastatic lung cancer, you know? Um, And I think that what that whole experience with getting cancer and now looking at my colleagues on the front lines as really an observer, because as a high-risk clinician with metastatic lung cancer, I'm not allowed to be bedside right now. And I worry for some of my colleagues, some of the learners, um, the nurses, the RTs, they're all spent, you know, uh, being on the front lines. And we've talked a lot about physician burnout over the years. Um, It was, you know, point about 30 years ago, but the reality is that every single clinical worker that makes up that healthcare team. Um, so I'm trying, you know, there's been a lot of work around burnout and how do we support our physicians because sadly a large number of, of physicians, one of the, the adverse uh, effects of it is physician suicide. And so, you know, around the, the last couple of years, I've had many colleagues that I know from training residency mentors that have just 
you know, gotten to the point that they felt they didn't have an out and committed suicide. So for me, with my own personal story, I feel like getting a diagnosis of metastatic lung cancer when you're in your early 40s seems like, you know, not something that any of us think about. We know that you know, we're all on this planet for a set period of time and you kind of just live that experience. So, or so we think, but, you know, for me, I was in the height of my career. I had a decent career, both nationally and locally. My skill set is building programs, pediatric programs out in rural areas. That's why I took the job here. I built a pediatric program um, for Atrium Health out in Monroe, where we were serving maybe 800 kids a month through the ER, but if a family got ill or needed to be admitted to the hospital, they had to come to Charlotte, which is not really easy from a socioeconomic standpoint for a lot of our families. So that brought me great joy, but you know, my own life struggle with cancer and realizing that that in itself is its own job uh, made me start thinking about what I was doing thing to do. I still haven't walked away from medicine because it's my identity. And for many of us that train, it, it is our identity. And so when a global pandemic or a mass terrorist effect, yeah, I'm sorry, it happens, you have this calling. I don't even think that we think about it. Um, you know, when you fly, they tell you, put your own oxygen mask on before you help anybody else. But I feel like in my training and in the way that our medical career or medical education curriculum is set up, we don't really have like a life coach or a necessarily a wellness coach. And so we definitely have some things in wellness. And I think there's becoming more of a focus on physician burnout and suicide. Um, my hope is to be able to prevent it. And I really feel that looking at our learners, our residents, our med students, our nursing students, you know, and creating some sort of like life coach or health coach um, for them to be able to grieve or debrief after going through a code blue on a six day old baby. You know, pediatrician and inpatient, that's what we do. We do a lot of great things, but you know, throughout your days, they're gonna be sick kids and they're gonna be unfortunate outcomes that you don't want, but we don't have anybody that debriefs us, right? We just kind of do it ourselves. And I think, you know, it's a double-edged sword because our residents learn their ethics, their morality, their patient care, their bedside manner from their attending physicians, right? But the attending physicians are probably in need of some help themselves. So there's been a big push into wellness. Um, when I got diagnosed, I kind of went down that pathway myself ended up doing a retreat out of the country um, at the end of last year and realized that I had no idea what my body was telling me, right? So as healers, as healthcare workers, we need to, I think, practice what we preach, which is to take care of ourselves and recognize that, you know, our body has certain needs, our mind has certain needs, our spirits have certain needs. And I think when those things are aligned, we do much better. Um, I'll never understand why I was given the card of cancer, but I was. And so rather than making it something, you know, well, painful or sad or 
whatever that right adjective is, I've just sort of taken that notion to, you know, use this last part, if it is, or the last chapter of my life to do something, you know, meaningful. And I think that's burnout prevention. So my hope was, you know, to start a podcast, you know, I'm of course a clinical physician. Um, I'm currently getting trained in health coaching um, so that we could be able to relate to our colleagues, get, get our colleagues to talk. I don't think as physicians or healthcare workers, we talk a lot. Um, we just kind of dumb it down and we don't feel the emotion and that affects us in all parts of our life. And I think even our physical health. Will physicians come out of this COVID-19 era more burnt out, more energized, or is the energy a short-term thing from the crises, but the ultimate result will be more burnout? Do you have a sense of that overall, Allison? I think I think that we were already burnt out, and a lot of our colleagues um, that are on the front lines, I know many of them that are are making really tough choices because it is hard, right? It's, you know, when I was 24 and they're like, dude, this is a terrorist attack. I saw those planes hit those towers. I was at Maimonides as a psych student um, doing a psych rotation. And I remember hearing about the North Tower and thinking at that time it was an aviation accident. And by the time I got to the conference room on the 10th floor of Maimonides, which is a huge Jewish center, in Brooklyn, we saw the South Tower get hit. And again, you know, I never had anybody to talk to about what I saw and witnessed and did at 9-11. And I think that that's what we think is the Hippocratic Oath, you know, like HIPAA, patient privacy, you know, we put ourselves first. Um, We put the patients first. I'm sorry. I wish we put ourselves first sometimes. But um, I think that burnout is real. I think it was getting um, very common amongst different institutions worldwide in healthcare um, because you can only dumb your feelings down for so long before they kind of fester. My worry is that we're probably going to have a mental health crisis if we don't already on our hands, and that includes the citizens, our communities, our healthcare workers. Um, You know, in pediatrics, we worried about the families that are, you know, there's domestic abuse or child abuse in. Um, It's been a long time, and I think we're all afraid. You know, we're sitting in this time of the unknown. I have colleagues that haven't seen their kids in over 100 days because they have to make that decision, you know, do I want to bring this home to my kids? Do I want to put my family at risk? So I think, you know, there are a lot of great things that our healthcare teams are doing out there, but it's with great sacrifice, you know, and we've had, I think, 169 the last time I looked, uh, healthcare providers have, you know, died throughout this pandemic. So I, to be, you know, succinct, I think that, the burnout is going to be a bigger problem. It, I mean, it is right now. I'm not able to work bedside because I don't, we don't understand the virus as well. And, you know, we can't really pinpoint who's going to get very sick and who's not. And so with me being out of the frontline force, then somebody is covering the shifts that I was slated for 
and, you know, I'm working remotely. And I will say that our system has done an amazing job at, you know, keeping all of the employees throughout this time. And they've been um, very honest with their word. We're just, you know, like, like other nations, unable to provide the PPE that, you know, we need, but we're constantly trying. And I think we're constantly trying to make sure that the community and our uh, populations that are in need are also, you know, um, taken care of during this pandemic. But we're not as real, and I worry about everybody's mental abilities and, you know, to stay well and, and not um, burn out, essentially. You know, we can apply that to everybody. But, you know, you had, you had said that we may have a behavioral health crisis looming or may already have one, and I think you and I would probably agree that we probably already have one. Would you, would you agree yeah. with that? I agree with that 100%. You know, because before we were forced into this, like, unknown, and it feels like Groundhog Day, right? Getting up every day, sort of trying to adjust to this new norm that we have. Um, and I think, you know, people don't like change. You know, we don't do well with changes. I think that our coping skills are being tested right now, and whether we have formulated intelligent coping skills, right? Because when something happens and a person reacts or responds, you know, that's kind of your coping mechanism. Um, you know, I've spent some time in therapy and some time learning about who I am as a person and not just who I am as a caregiver, which means just run into like, you know, traffic and do what you have to do. Um, I think that it's in that foundation of thinking. And I think if we apply that to the entire, you know, society, it's kind of the same thing, you know, like if we're mature and have the ability with our emotions to be intelligent and know that you have to go through them rather than just kind of, I don't have time to, let's just forget that's happening or pretend it's not happening. I think you just kind of get to a point where your body just says, dude, you have to deal with this. Um, so, yeah, I think there is a, a mental health crisis, whether we are aware of how, where we are in that range, I guess, you know, if we're in the peak or we're not, it's, it's going to come. And I think if you kind of read some of the uh, articles and journals out there, I think the psychi psychiatric and behavioral health worlds are feeling a little overwhelmed and a little undermanned because, there's a lot of people that need help right now. I mean, just a, just an incredible amount. Uh, you have suicide rates way up, addiction rates way up, all kinds of challenges in our country, and those will get worse with lots of joblessness, lots of lockdowns, lots of, not lockdowns, but lots of semi-lockdowns, people not on their regular structure and all kinds of things, just very, very challenging situations. Ellison, you're working through this remarkable life journey uh, you're really heroic to many people in what you're trying to do now. What advice would you have for people? What advice do you have for people as they evolve into their lives? How do you, what words of inspiration or advice would you have for people? I'd say from where I look at life now through the lens that I have, um, whether that's with metastatic lung cancer, um, I think at the end of the day, we all 
have this journey, and I think we all know it. The difference is that until it becomes really, like, real up close, sort of in the rearview mirror, if you will, we don't really start to accept or acknowledge. I feel personally, and, and I'm a part of it, you know, they were like, get a good job. I got a good education. I try to do right by my patients and my, you know, employers. And all in all, I feel like I tried to live a good life, you know, be kind to your neighbor, talk to stranger, help. But, you know, I feel like we've evolved into a world with so many advancements, but somehow we got more and more, mm, not introverted necessarily, but more and more self-involved, you know, and, and that may not be fair to just generalize, but I wish that people realize that, you know, yes, it's scary not to have money. Money makes the world go around. We all want to be comfortable and be able to provide for our loved ones. But at the end of it, it's what you do. It's how you act and Every time you fall and what you do, what you learn every time you fall. So the falls in our life and, you know, falls meaning an illness or sadly a death or, you know, outcome that nobody expected or wanted. Well, you can kind of just get stuck in this. I miss what I used to have rather than kind of be grateful and be able to see what you do have, you know, find, um, yeah, and that's within. I think it's in a piece. I've learned that my body really has everything it needs to guide me through life. And I say this as a clinician, by no means do I think that we couldn't survive without medicine and scientists and some brilliant people working really hard to find a you know cure or vaccine for our um, current situation. But I think that we as humans tend to look outside for other things, you know, everybody knows that eating well, exercising, meditating, you know, those things would be good for us, but it's very hard if you really do it with purpose. So I would say to anybody and everybody that might be listening that anything you do in life, do it with intent and with purpose and don't let it be necessarily selfish. Taking care of yourself and being selfish are two different things. So now that sounds a little heebie-jeebie, but I really do believe that, you know, we are born with everything that we need to make this journey in life. We just don't always utilize everything until something happens to us that sort of pushes us in that that, that um, vein. So with everything you do with purpose and intent, it's not selfish to take care of oneself. Right. So listen those, to your body first, you know, listen to yourself and, and spend some time with yourself. I mean, that's what we're all doing in quarantine, right? As crazy as it sounds, but, you know, yes, we joke about it. And there are a lot of memes, you know, TikToks and whatnot about drinking too much or having to stay at home with your kids and, and, and work and do homeschooling. Yeah, it's, it's insane. You know, I have friends that are trying to work, trying to do homeschooling. But again, you know, rather than like do some of the other, you know, like I tell my friends, I was like, you know, what if you just like picked a hobby or found, you find something to do that is quiet 
and is peaceful and is slow. I think we live a really fast-paced life, um, especially here in the United States, compared to many other countries around the world. Uh, and so we're all fidgety. You know, we, we get really anxious. We're, we're trying to look for that next thing. And so I think, you know, meditation, using a lot of the meditative apps out there, yoga, um, really for me, what, what I found is my breath work and focusing on breath is been the one thing that really has connected me to my mind and my body. And, and it's one of those things that once you kind of get there, you re- you, you know, you know what it is. It's different than just saying, Hey, I'm going to take this, you know, yoga class today. But if you have intent and purpose with every move, you do get that release. You do get that feel of what your heart, your body, your chakras, those kinds of things are feeling. Well, fantastic. I think life changing advice and just constant reminders to us all to keep on focus on this intent and purpose in everything we do. And it's so hard as we go through the motions on so many different things or try and do things that probably aren't that important to keep constantly focused every day on intent and purpose. I think just magnificent thinking. Dr. Boutram, we would love to have you on again. It's remarkable to hear your story and to talk to you. It's inspiring. We thank you so much for your time and your energy and your courage. Thank you for joining the Becker's Healthcare Podcast today. Thank you, Scott. It was a real honor and pleasure, like I said earlier. Um, you know, I think that just sharing our stories, uh, whatever industry that might be, whether it be professional or not, I think we just need to realize that the way we feel, the way we think, our actions, our responses, we're, we're more similar than we are not. Just fantastic to keep on keeping on, but with intent and purpose is fantastic. No need for adding, just fantastic. Dr. Udram, thank you very much. Thank you, guys.